Welcome to the Lighthouse Financial Advisors Money Over 50 podcast with Dallas Davison and Michael Hogue. This information is general in nature and does not take into account your objectives, financial situation or needs. Therefore, you should consider whether the information is appropriate for you and your personal circumstances. If you require personal advice, please contact Lighthouse Financial Advisors. Here are your hosts, Dallas Davison and Michael Hogue. Welcome to Money Over 50 with Dallas and Michael. Dallas, uh, today a new segment. New segment, Listener Questions. uh, podcast, Listener Questions. So, um, and so welcome back to, yeah. to the, the podcast booth. So for this is, this is attempt three of our welcome back. We, we've tried to record this once, got it wrong, tried to record it again, got it wrong. So we're a bit out of practice. Dallas, uh, we recorded this podcast yesterday, but, uh, we're using new software yeah. for the recording and Dallas made a monumental mistake and yeah. said, didn't save it properly. I haven't yeah. saved that properly. So yeah. So we're re-recording this one yeah. today. If, if so. we sound more polished than usual, that's probably why. <laughs> and uh, and and we're actually back in the podcast booth. Yeah. Well. So yeah, um, in March, of course, we uh, were recording, but we were recording remotely. I see. But, yeah. um, for for the obvious reasons, uh, people were working from home. We were working from home at that point in time. Yep. And uh, and we actually re- uh, pre-recorded some podcasts as well because in May and June. We have a, a very busy time yeah. with our clients, uh, making sure that they're all taking advantage of uh, tax deductions for the year yeah. uh, as we approach the financial year. So it's it's um, mid July, yeah. and we got some more time to we're get back just in, back in in podcasting mode. So mm-hmm. we certainly recording quite a lot and releasing uh, two per week. So um, so the. And that's what we wanted to um, ask the audience. So we've got the, as you said, a new segment for listener questions, which was something that we stumbled on because a couple of different people have emailed us and asked us uh, questions that they want us to answer. So we sort of formalised that a bit. We've now got an email address that you can email directly with questions for the podcast, and that's podcast at mo50.com.au. So if you have any questions or have anything that you'd like us to discuss, uh, feel free to send that through. Yeah, and that can be a a question or a series of questions, or even just a topic. Yeah, you might it might just yeah. be a topic. Can you guys elaborate on this? We, we are pretty this? we are pretty good at just taking the, um, a minute topic and, and debating it back and forth for an hour. So no no topic too small. We're, we're happy to happy to go through anything. So um, today's question was from Ange. So uh, thanks, Ange, for sending that through. So Ange wanted to know about. Uh, basically retirement planning for low-income earners and specifically around um, super contributions and whether that should still be their main focus for people who are on a lower income. So um, so thanks for sending that through, Ange. So the, the first point that I just want to make before we get into the, the hows of how to best um, get set up for retirement if you're on a low income, I just wanted to we touch on the fact that I think for a lot of people, um, if you're on a lower income, it can seem very hard to get set up for retirement. But the reality is that, um, as we, we sort of talk about, your ratio of how much you spend versus save is really the most important thing that affects how quickly you're building up savings. 
and then the amount of income that you need to spend each year when you're in retirement is is one of the biggest things that affects how much you actually need in retirement savings. So if you are in a lower income, it can seem harder to build up your super balance and to build up your retirement savings. However, the, the flip side of that is you probably just need less money in, in retirement savings as well. So the target that you're shooting towards is, is obviously going to be a lot less. Yeah, certainly. And also, um, it's a good point. Also, sometimes people get a little bit worried about uh, retiring with a certain uh, amount yeah. and a figure. Yeah. Um, I mean, much of the stuff that we'll talk about today yeah. is um, along the vein of you can only do what you can do. Yeah. So if yeah. you are on low income, yeah. what what we encourage people to do is just to take the low-hanging fruit yeah. and to do yeah. realistically all that they can yeah. afford to do to improve their situation. And any improvement is an improvement. Yeah. And um, sometimes it's it's a little bit redundant to be thinking too much about a specific retirement dollar figure or anything, as long as you're doing all you can do and, that's a, and yeah. picking up low-hanging fruit. And that's a good point for, for everyone, I think, of all income levels, is that mm. you really, uh, it's, it's a bit like anything, there's no point comparing yourself to other people or where you feel like you should be. It's really just about going, am, am I doing everything I can to put myself in the best position mm. that, that, I, that I can and that I'm able to? And, and if you are, then, then there's no point beating yourself over, up, mm. up over whether I should be doing more or doing less or anything like that. It's really just about working out a plan that, that you can that you can stick to and that you are going to stick to and that's going to put you in the best possible position. So, mm-hmm. um, so I guess the, 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 the main things that, I guess, to cover off on that we would say that stay the same, if you're, if you're on a lower income uh, compared to being on a higher income, what, what are the things that are the same for everyone of all different income levels? Um, the big thing there for, for me is, is the investment strategy. So regardless of your income, of your earned income from work, you want to make sure that whatever you've got in super or whatever you've got in terms of your retirement savings, you want to make sure that you're working that as hard as possible. So whether you're on a high income or low income, that to me stays the same. And we've talked about that mm. at great length on the podcast about looking at the investment strategy of your, of your super fund and uh, and, and that sort of thing, and making sure that you are squeezing every extra dollar of return that you can out mm. of that. So, I think to me, that's that's the first thing is that that, as we usually do, answer the question with not the answer to the question, but um, things that are the same to me are, are making sure that you're doing that. Yeah, what and what else is referring to there is 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 um, my comment before is that when you retire or even before you retire. Um, your money goes to work for you. Yeah. And once you've retired, uh, you stop getting dressed and going to work. Yeah. As we've also commented, hopefully you're still getting dressed at some <laughs> stage during the day and, and not just lying or there. Not, and whatever you, you want to do. It's your retirement. <laughs> uh, but but your money now gets dressed and go to work. So you're talking about the difference between a 1% average yeah. rate of return per yeah. year and an 8% average rate that's of return. That's exactly right. Yeah. And how hard you work your money yeah. uh, and how yeah. much lazy money that you yeah. have there. So that stays the same yeah. no matter how yeah. much that you have. Yes. Yeah. And and look, that's a challenge for people yeah. whether they have yeah. $1.6 million to retire with or $200,000. Yeah. $200, yes, so that's exactly they have the same challenge. Yeah. It's about actually uh, working your money hard enough so it earns yeah. enough of a rate of return. Uh, to 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 generate your income needs. Yep, yep. And so, and uh, just on that, I, I guess one that 
I think it's probably probably another podcast of its own. But what I find a lot is that people who have a lower amount of retirement savings leading into retirement, um, so they they sometimes want to be invested more conservatively because they kind of go, okay, I've only got 400,000, I've got 500,000, or I've got you know, 800,000, whatever the figure is relative to the income they need. As you just said, those ratios are still all the same. You, you still need to take an income. You still need that money to be going to work for you. Mm. Um, if anything, you, you can potentially uh, afford to have that have, have your balance be more volatile given that Centrelink is likely to kick in much sooner for you if you've got less mm. in retirement savings. So um, I'll, I'll park that off to one side because that's probably a topic of its yeah. own as to how to invest your, your money in retirement if you if you are relying on Centrelink as well. But I guess the, the thing I'd say is it's not it's not something where you go I've only got a small amount of retirement savings so I can just leave it in a, in a term deposit or in, in cash or that sort of thing and and just spend down off that. You still need to be working that money hard. Yep. Um, so to, to now finally after 10 minutes actually start answering the question of what, <laughs> what things are different for, for lower income earners. So uh, tax planning is, is probably the big one that um, that changes a bit. And, and what I mean by that is there's two types of, of tax planning. So uh, there's your income tax, so the tax mm-hmm. that you that is withheld or that you pay every year on your on your earned income. And that tends to be a much bigger... A much bigger issue of the uh, a much bigger issue for people who are on uh, higher income. So, if you're earning a hundred thousand dollars a year in gross income from wages, you're going to pay somewhere around twenty six, twenty seven thousand dollars in income tax. Whereas, yep. if you if you're earning uh, substantially less than that figure as, as a line item of your budget, your income tax is far less. So, it's not as important to, to try and minimise that. I mean, you always want yeah. to minimise it, but there's probably just less scope to, to do that. And so um, so that's one type which we'll, we'll talk briefly about is, is how to minimise, still to minimise the tax on, on a lower income, uh, on your earned income. The, secret, the second type of tax that um, everyone is paying right now and most people are not aware of is the tax on the earnings of your retirement savings. And so... Um, that's uh, around if, like we said, if you've got $400,000 in your superannuation fund or invested in your own name or however you've got that, the earnings that you get on that every year, there is some tax paid on that. Mm. So that's the that's one that happens behind the scenes. So uh, we'll talk about that um, separately, but I think if we go back to the earned income first, because that's what people tend to think of the, the, when we're yes. looking at tax planning. So the the first thing that, <coughs> excuse me, that I'd explain a bit briefly about there is obviously we have a progressive tax system in Australia whereby and these are all sort of rules of thumb and there's different tax options. Progressive that, makes it sound like it keeps yeah. getting better than <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. so uh, that's true. You're talking about the uh, you're talking about progressing through the, through the income through tax brackets. That's, that's like, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, that's true actually. When I say progressive I don't mean it's really, you know, forward thinking and <laughs> there's none of that. Uh, basically, on, on around the first $20,000 that you earn, you pay no tax. Mm. And then from 20000 up to thir- about $37,000, you pay about $0.19 cents in the dollar on that income. And then from 37000 onwards, uh, you're paying $0.34.5 cents in the dollar, and then 90000 it goes up, and then 180000 yep. it goes up. So uh, this, is, this is sort of what we're talking about, where if you're earning $100,000 a year, 
uh, every dollar of tax deductions you get actually saves you, you know, 39 cents in that. Mm. Whereas if you're earning $30,000 a year, uh, even if you if you can reduce your taxable income slightly, you're only picking up a 19% saving on that. Mm. And those numbers are sort of important because what we one of the, the the easy bang for your buck ways to save tax is to make before tax or salary sacrifice contributions in your super. So that's kind of one of the first levers that we tend to pull for people on a higher income. Yeah, so someone smack bang in the thirty four and a half percent tax bracket. So yeah. they put in ten thousand dollars to superannuation, yep. uh, either by salary sacrifice or yep. claiming it as a tax action at the end of the year. Yep. Um, what you're referring to there is that is that they uh, effectively save thirty four and a half percent tax. They yep. pay thirty four and a half percent tax yep. on that income. So if I'm on a thirty four and a half percent tax rate which would mean that I earn between $37,000 and $87,000 of uh, taxable income. Um, basically, if I put $10,000 into superannuation and want to claim that as a tax deduction, now think salary sacrifice is your most common type of way to do that, but there are other ways to do that. Um, what happens is that I effectively save 34.5% tax on that ten thousand dollars in, in your income tax on that on my income tax, um, so I get back an extra three thousand four hundred and fifty yep. in in tax return. Yep. Um, what happens though is that I pay fifteen percent tax, which is called super contributions tax. Yep. So just just think if you're claiming uh, the contribution as a tax deduction, yep. uh, then you pay fifteen percent tax on the way oh, in. Yeah. Uh, if you're not claiming it yeah. as a tax deduction, you pay zero percent tax. So, and, that, and that's one that most people don't know about because, again, that's mm-hmm. that's levied by the super fund. It happens behind the scenes. It's yes. something that we don't tend to see. So yeah. that includes employer contributions as well as your your contributions that you are claiming a tax deduction for. They get taxed at 15% on the mm-hmm. way in. That's right. Now, at that tax rate, it makes complete sense for me to do that yeah. because I arbitrage it. Yeah. I, I, I know that I'm going to get back 34.5% tax on that contribution. Uh, I know that I'm going to pay 15% tax. If we subtract them, it, it's it's really a free money percentage of 19.5%, or it's an overnight return of 19.5%. Look, if I could borrow and put in $10 million, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I would put this on yeah. like Brill Cream. As a, uh, <laughs> as like Brill Cream. Is anyone still putting Brill Cream on? <laughs> um, but but yeah. of course, there's a limit. There's yeah. the limit of $25,000 yeah. per year. And, um, and obviously, there's also a limit of, of the of how much income you have at that marginal bracket. And, and yes. this is sort of the point that you're making is it really makes sense to do that until the point that your taxable income gets to $37,000. That's right. So so if we pop down one tax bracket, I earn between $20,000 and $37,000. I'm on a 19% uh, marginal rate of tax. Now, I do the same thing. I put $10,000 in. I claim that as a 19% tax deduction, but I'm levied tax of 15%, super contributions tax on the way in. So I, it's still a 4% rate of return. Um, however, uh, if my income is under $37,000, the, uh, the spouse contribution and also the government co-contribution, yeah, so that will actually yield me a better, a, a, a better return. So yeah, yeah. There's, there's really a pecking order here, isn't there? There so, is, yeah. yeah. And, and that's, that's, I guess, the other point is, as we talk about this, it may not necessarily be only one or the other it's, it's normally a combination of each of these things but yeah. 
to, to explain what you're talking about there is that if instead of making before-tax contributions, I choose to, and my, and my income is below $37,000, or it's below $39,800, I can put $1,000 of after-tax income into superannuation. So instead of salary sacrificing it in, and basically I pay my 19% income tax on that, it hits my bank account, I pay that money, $1,000 into my, my super fund, what happens there at the end of the year is the government will look at that and see that my income is below the threshold uh, of 39800 They'll actually give me a co-contribution of $500 as an extra top-up to my balance. Yeah, so think of that as an overnight return of 50%. Yeah. It's it's free money of $500, $1,000 goes in, yeah. um, uh, you get... Five hundred dollars from the government again. Yeah. If you could, if you could borrow a million dollars and they allowed, <laughs> yeah. you know, they paid yeah, you five hundred thousand dollars, yeah. um, you would put that on like brill yeah. cream. Yeah. <laughs> the um, and that's that's like you said. There's a pecking order there where if if you're earning thirty five thousand dollars, for example, the, the first thing you do is a thousand dollars. Yep. Because there's a fifty percent overnight return. It sounds like a spiel that like someone who buy themselves gold would, would have on TV at two o'clock in the morning of a fifty percent overnight return, but but it actually is uh, it is that good up to that thousand dollar mark that you can put in. So that's like you say in in terms of pecking order, that's the first thing you do: put that yeah. thousand in, get the five hundred dollar top up. So as you said, that would be a far better way to do it compared to making before tax contributions because your real saving there is only four percent. So you're only getting four mm. percent sort of overnight return. Um, so the other type of contribution that, that is, um, if we move next down the pecking order, the, the government co-contribution is the best one, so that $1,000 get the 500 Probably the next best one, if it's relevant, and this is a bit harder to work out because you need to also work out your spouse's uh, taxable income. There's another type of contribution called a spouse contribution where you can put up to $3,000 uh, and it's basically seen as your spouse putting $3,000 into your account even though it doesn't have to be from your spouse, it can be from a joint bank account or whatever. They put $3,000 into your super fund as a spouse contribution. They actually get to claim an 18% tax offset on that contribution. So on $3,000, that'd be $540. So as we just said there in the pecking order, that's that's also a pretty good one because Mm. um, you're picking up an 18% overnight return there. When they go and do their tax return, they will get get an offset for that $540. Mm. So um, those are those are probably the, the two main ones for people earning below $37,000. And, and they're not huge dollar amounts, but as we talked about earlier, when, you, when, you, when your retirement savings target is lower, a combination of these two can do a lot of the work for you. So if, you, if you've got a couple both earning $30,000 and they've got a spare $8,000 in, in net income throughout the year. Potentially they could make $1,000 each into super as an after-tax contribution to get their $500, $500 co-contribution. And then they could also make a $3,000 spouse contribution into each other's account to pick up that $540 tax offset. So by making that $8,000 in total contributions, they've picked up over $2,000 worth of extra benefits. So again, it, it's kind of one of those things where uh, if you do that every year over the last 10 or 15 years, it can make a huge difference. You're effectively getting a $10,000 benefit for the cost of $8,000 every year. Mm. So it's a really handy one for, for people that are both, particularly with a couple's both earning under that $37,000 mark. Yeah. 
the other thing to, to take into account is that, as you said, there may well be a situation where you could potentially make make uh, before tax contributions as well, and depending on your situation, it might make sense. But those are going to be the best bang for your buck, which is what we're what we're yeah. all about is, is trying to squeeze the, the the easy money, that easy return out in terms of tax savings that we possibly can. Yeah. So yeah. that's the the main ones. Um, now, I just made a note here as well is that if you're if you're looking at uh, making contributions to super and you're not sure what your taxable income is going to be for the year, and I've got a couple of clients who just spoke, what we actually do is rather than salary sacrifice that money in via your payroll, so rather than make a before-tax contribution direct from your payroll and, and have that tax at 15% on the way in, what you can actually do is make that as a personal contribution. And we've, we've spoken about this on other podcasts where you can actually put that money in directly from your bank account and then at the end of the year you can make a decision as to whether you want to claim a deduction for that or not. Yeah, so this is a conf- this, this would be very confusing for the listener. Um, so we'll just use a simple example here. Yeah. You're not sure what your taxable income is going to be. Um, you say, okay, I'm going to I'm going to contribute ten thousand dollars, for example, uh, from my bank account into superannuation. That money's not taxed at all, so yeah. they assume yeah. that it's gone in as a, uh, and you won't be claiming a tax deduction for that. Yep. Yeah. You get to the end of the financial year, and um, one of the really handy things now is, well, you can do this after the financial year is closed off. You don't actually have to make a nomination. Yeah. Um, during that financial year, so so you get to you get to that situation and you work out okay, um, what's happened here is that um, it makes sense for me now to to claim five thousand dollars of that uh, ten thousand that went in as a tax deduction and leave the other five thousand dollars to go in as a personal yeah. contribution or after tax contribution. So so what it essentially happens, you can you can lodge a form with your super fund and call a, a notice of intent to claim a tax action form. You can you can single out uh, a portion of that ten thousand dollars. In this example we say, okay, we're gonna claim five thousand dollars. Um, the super fund will then tax that five thousand dollars of the ten at fifteen percent contributions tax. Uh, but you'll take yeah. that receipt to your accountant and yeah. you'll claim that $5,000 as a personal tax deduction. So, yeah. so it's a really handy way to do so that. I've actually got a, a real-life case study of this one. where, yeah. And, and um, I didn't explain when we talked about the government co-contributions, but another thing to bear in mind is that that, that ratio of uh, 50 cents for every dollar you put in up to that 1000 that isn't that isn't a cut off at thirty nine thousand eight hundred. If if your income's slightly higher than that, you mm. may still you'll still get some government co contribution. But it mm. might be instead of getting five hundred dollars, you'll get four hundred and then three hundred and then two hundred, depending on what your income is. So yes, I've actually got a client who the tax bill <coughs> now on track for around forty thousand for the year. Mm. So what we actually did was we made a four thousand dollar contribution into super. And then we lodged a, a notice of intent to claim form. So we claimed the tax deduction for $3,000 out of that 4000 mm. So um, the theory there being that would that, that top $3,000 of their taxable income, they're paying 34.5% on. Mm. So we've picked up the, the 19.5% tax saving on that. However, $1,000 out of that 4000 we actually left as an after-tax contribution mm. so that they would then pick up and depending on what their what their adjusted tax bill, it might be five hundred dollars or it might be four hundred dollars, depending on which which yeah. category they fall into there. But that's kind of as you're saying, there's a pecking order there where 
in some situations you might you might actually make those contributions throughout the year and then decide after the fact do I want to try for the government co-contribution or do I want to claim the actual tax deduction on that amount? Yeah, it's a really handy way to do that uh, now and and previously, um, because it's it's relatively new legislation though, previously you had to to, um, decide early in the financial year which which type the contribution was going to be if you were making it on a... If you were spreading it out over that financial year and you could get to the situation where... By the end of the financial year, um, things didn't pan out the way you thought they would yeah. from an income point of view, and you may have actually been taxed detrimentally. Yeah. So that's, um, as you say, it's pretty confusing, really, isn't it? Like, <laughs> um, look, it's 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 great for us because it is so confusing, and and, and I mean, we live and breathe it every yeah. single day, so yeah. we yeah. can work out. Yeah. The, the exactly case, the yeah. way to pull the trigger yeah. at the at the, at the I, most. I was just thinking, even even the the language used where you go now, depending on your taxable income and your adjusted taxable income, we'll, yeah. we'll we'll determine whether you should make a concessional or a non-concessional contribution. And then if you should do that, then you need to lodge a notice of intent to claim a tax deduction form with your superannuation. Okay, what a nightmare. Yeah. So we, I mean, for our clients, we tell them. What to do? Yeah. We actually yeah. we actually give them the B pay yeah. and bill code and say pay three thousand dollars in Into, via yeah, this B pay code. Yeah. Pay a thousand dollars in via this B pay code. Um, you know, uh, basically we're going to now give you the pre filled form yeah. notice of intent to claim a tax deduction. All you yeah. need to do is sign that. We lodge that with your super fund. Yeah. Um, we package that all together for our clients in a summary to their accountant, so their accountant actually doesn't miss anything. Hey, this is what we've done. We've done this, 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 and this. Here's the tax deductions that yeah. they have. So, um, I guess that's the, the the second part of really what we do there is 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 actually doing it. We yeah. talk about financial yeah. doing and and, yeah. and Kylie, yeah. uh, Kylie Hatfield, our director of financial doing, does. Yeah. We, we we say we, we do, do that, this. but we do. But, but, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's actually Kylie, our uh, yeah, our. An extremely efficient director yeah. of financial doing that, yeah. that does all of that. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and that's and that's I guess the other part of it with this I'd say is, is we're talking about making just make contributions every on a regular basis and then at the end of the financial year um, you can worry a bit about how to claim that and whether to claim it all the rest of it. But a big thing with this is to me, um, doing something you can it's easy to get caught up in what's the optimal strategy. Yeah. The reality is if you put money into your super fund on a regular basis, whether it's before tax, after tax, however you skin that cat, you're going to be in a better position if you don't do that. So even though this is confusing, I, I would say that the most important thing to, to to do there is to go, well, you still need to take action. So there's no, there's no point sort of throwing your hands up and going, well, it's it's confusing and it's complicated. Yeah. It is. I completely empathise. There's no need for a retirement savings system to be this this hard, but yeah. that's the reality. All, all we've got is to is to do what we can and work within that system. And and I think that's where making those regular contributions is the key because if you wait until the end of the financial year and say, well, I can put $5,000 into super claim deduction for it, for a lot of people, it's just not going to happen. You're that's not, that's you're a really good point because because you don't get paid once a year. Yeah, you get paid weekly or you get paid fortnightly. Yep. Uh, so so it's important to split up uh, those contributions into bite-sized chunks yep. as you get paid. Yeah, and um, I, I, I've even had so many comments where people have actually said to me, 
hey, um, yeah, I'm not too sure if we can afford this fortnightly contribution. Yeah. I said, well, let's, let's, that's really easy. Let's yeah. let's stress it. test it. Yeah, yeah. Let's start it. Yeah. And um, and you're not locked into it. No. So you, you can make it this fortnight. You can make it the next fortnight. Uh, we might have to adjust that a little bit if yeah. there's expenses that come up. That's right. But um, even if you're making two out of every four fortnights contribution, it's, it's better than now, which exactly. is zero. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah, exactly. Um, no, it's, that's right, and, that, and that's that's what I think, um, and it sort of ties into the the next point that we're going to talk about is is the tax on the on the earnings on that money. So whether you should be putting that money, you know, someone said to me, should I be putting money into super or should I be in, in, you know setting up an investment in my own name? The answer is yes, yes, yeah. you should do that. <laughs> One of those two. So um, this is a I know what you're going to say here. It's such a it's such a, yeah. it's a, it's a, it's a good one to go through, but it's just such it's a, a one percenter. A one percenter, yeah. yeah. So this, this is referring to, um, the, so as you're saving that money, you have the choice of either contributing into your super ver- via those different types of contributions we've just talked about, or just investing that money in your own name. So just, yeah. um, setting up an investment uh, in your personal name and joint names. So the difference there is on the, when we're talking about the difference, it's, it's on the tax rate on the earnings. So, in the same way that superannuation has a contributions tax rate of 15%, uh, any earnings on that money is also taxed at 15%. Yep, and by earnings you mean the rate of return. The rate of return effectively, yeah. Yep, yep, exactly right. So, uh, again, that's a really handy one for people on higher incomes because if you're, again, if your marginal tax rate's 34.5%, as your retirement savings builds up and, and uh, there's a higher and higher amount in terms of return every year, if that's getting added to your taxable income, that is chewing into that return because you have to pay extra tax mm. on that. So, whereas if that's inside superannuation, the maximum rate you'll ever pay is fifteen percent. Uh, however, as we said there, if your if your taxable income is below twenty thousand dollars, you may be in a situation where you're you're actually better off investing that in your own name and paying a zero percent tax rate on that rather than the fifteen percent tax within superannuation. Yes, yeah, so I have an example there, and 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 really, I mm-hmm. out of all my clients, I can only think of one mm-hmm. that um, that this is affected. So, yeah. I have a husband and wife, and uh, the wife is working but earning under twenty thousand dollars a year, like a like a very limited um, uh, income. The husband's earning a bigger income. Now they actually had some some fairly healthy savings, and what we uh, had come up with is they were either going to they were either going to put those savings into superannuation and invest it through their super fund, yeah. uh, or they were going to invest it in their own name or names. Yeah. What we worked out is that um, uh, we were better off starting an investment in the wife's name because her marginal rate of tax is zero percent. Yeah. So we're talking about a hundred thousand dollars here. Um, so if we'd put if we'd put that into super fund either uh her super fund let's yep. let's yep. use as the example the return on that money uh or the earnings or the rate of return so year. just yeah just call it ten thousand dollars in in uh, a year um she would lose 15 percent tax yep. on that which would be fifteen hundred dollars um being in her name versus being in her there's name no tax to pay there was no that. tax to pay yep. on that money so there's a fifteen hundred dollar tax savings um so so, so this is actually more than that, was it? Well, I don't want to, 
<laughs> I don't want to really confuse you two, but I'll, I'll, I'll so so uh, let's so, do, let's go. Let's so there's let's a thing called really. a franking credit. So basically, the companies that she owns, the Australian companies that she owns, from that money that she's invested. Um, and by the way, that money's grown yeah. higher now. Um, she actually those Australian companies pay tax at thirty percent on the dollar in their profits um, as an Australian. Uh, uh, resident for tax purposes, you get a credit for that yep. that tax that's been paid. Yep. So basically, for her, because her because her marginal rate of tax is zero percent, she's paid thirty percent tax yep. at the company level. Yeah, the companies so that she, she gets, owns, she gets a refund. So she gets a refund of that, yep. which so is about four or five thousand dollars a year. I think we did we did do a podcast about franking yeah. credits. When we went yeah, we did. When yeah, it was, yeah, when there, it was is a, there is a podcast <laughs> called Franking Credits. Yeah. But uh, not just a great race or something. <laughs> um, so, so, so essentially what's happened here is that, is that she gets a tax return of four or five thousand dollars a year from those excess, uh, franking credits. Yep. Now, um, we put a thousand dollars back in yep. to her super fund. Yep. She gets the government code contribution. Five hundred dollars. Uh, we also put three thousand dollars in as a spouse contribution. Her husband, who's on husband. a thirty-nine percent marginal rate of tax. Uh, gets a $540 tax yep. offset there. Yep. And in addition to that, he's also salary sacrificing about $15,000 a year. So, so the one family is actually yep. taking advantage each of, each of, of these things, you know, each of these. So the four tax contributions, so. so salary sacrifice contribution, yep. the government so co-contribution, the spouse contribution, and yep. the tax offset with that. And also the earnings tax and getting that the, to the earnings tax and the franking and the franking credit, credit refund. Yeah. So, now, yeah. just to be clear, your super fund, the super fund, if she invested that hundred thousand dollars into the super fund, yeah. um, while she'd be paying tax of fifteen percent on the return, she would still get the same franking credit yeah. uh, of four or five thousand dollars tax yeah. rebate in there. Yeah. Just that there'd be an extra fifteen hundred dollars. It's very, very humble of you, Matt, to to, to say that. It's, <laughs> it's not all the five thousand dollars. It's not all. Money. Yeah, no, it's, no, it's no, no, no. That, but yeah, that's right. Uh, but no, but, no, but no. interestingly enough, in their case, um, they wouldn't actually have the, the the ability to put the spouse contribution in and the and the and the thousand dollars for the government code contribution yeah. if we'd already put that money into superannuation. They yeah. just wouldn't have the yeah. And the, that's the cash flow to do that. The other trade-off with a lot of this, and like I say, where you go, if sometimes with uh, people putting money into super, uh, it, it's the same trade-off that applies whether it's before tax contributions or after tax or whatever. Is that there's also an issue of being able to access that money. So yeah. sometimes it can be trickier for people to say, I'm just going to put every spare dollar I've got into super if they are, you know, just turned 50 and they've got 10 years to go until they can access yeah. that money. So look, it's a double-edged sword that one. Because <laughs> I, I find from a mental point of view, oh, it's great. or a psychological point of view, you put money into superannuation, you've just written that money off. Yeah. Um, and, and you've written it off for your retirement. Yeah. I, I, mean, I don't mean you've written I, it off. No, no. I, I mean, you, you've, you've forgotten about it. There's, whereas there's, every dollar you put into an investment that you can access. There, yeah. People find a way to access it. There's um, a separation, I think, of, yeah. of like the future version of yourself and the present version. So if you put money into super, it's very clearly for, for your future retired self. Mm. Because you, you can't, you, you don't have the choice of should I use use that money to go for a holiday now, or should I use it to go for a holiday in ten years' time? Yeah, you, you just it's taken out of your hands. It has to be for ten years' time. Yeah. Whereas as you said, even as you're building up an investment, it's pretty hard to watch that building up and watch that building up and not go, oh well, maybe I should just take a rake well, of it off the top. Well, I actually had to come up with a rule years ago uh, for my clients, and I basically said, 
treat every dollar that you put into an investment as gone, gone yeah. for the next 10 years. Yeah. I don't care if you need With to dial down how much you need to put in there. So if you're yeah. putting in $1,000 a yeah, fortnight, yeah. um, that only goes one way. Now, if you have to stop for 10 fortnights yeah. and save that $1,000 or spend that $1,000 or do whatever you want with that, yeah. that's fine. But but every $1,000 that you put into that investment or every $500 you put in that investment, treat it as if it's gone. Yeah. and, and to, Because people were actually, what they were doing it's is they were like putting bank too yeah. much in there and then they were pulling money back yeah. out as a bank account, like, like it was a bank account. Yeah. Um, and actually just treading water yeah. for a lot of time. And you're right. And that's where superannuation is, is a great system for, for this. When we're looking at retirement savings, and that's probably a good point, is even if, you know, if you're 50 now and you really, it actually makes you be very, uh, makes you really think about what can I afford to do every fortnight, every week mm-hmm. and, and not touch for 10 years because yeah. there isn't the same incentive to go, well, I think I can afford this much each fortnight, no. but, but then I'll, I'll work if I need to, I can get at that. Yeah, that's right. It's gone for good. So, um, well, I think that uh, little case study is, is probably a good place to, to sort of wrap up there. Um, the... As we said, so a new segment with the listener questions. If, if anyone has uh, any anything else that they'd like us to discuss, any other questions, um, feel free to email us at podcast at mo50.com.au. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Money Over 50 podcast with Lighthouse Financial Advisors. We look forward to catching up again soon.